got to see one of our young ladies, Miss Anna Singh. She has a beautiful voice. I was very excited to see her up here today and to hear that she wanted to be a part of this. And before I get in to my message, I do want to say thank you again for being part of this Youth Sunday. You've gotten to see and hear from some of our students. And the great thing about our ministry is this is just a taste. Every week, my, the leaders that I get to link arms with get to see these students grow and see what God is doing in their lives on every Wednesday and every Sunday, and it really is incredible. And so to all the parents in the room, I want to say thank you so much for trusting us to be a part of your students' lives uh, as their youth leaders. We don't take that trust lightly. That's something we very much appreciate and respect, and it means the world to us that we can be a small part of their life uh, for the glory of God. So today... Uh, I'm very excited to speak to you because this is really the first time I've ever been in front of a church body like this. But, and ignore any shaking. That's just because it's cold. That's not because not I'm nervous. Um, but a little bit about me is, as, as we keep saying, I'm the interim student director. And this is something that God has been preparing me for pretty much my whole life, and I, and I thank him for that. I was born uh, in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, I moved over to Cape Coral at a young age with my family, and luckily, uh, God blessed me with two parents who were very strong Christians. They were both believers. I grew up in a Christian home, so my little brother Hunter and I were, all, were in church every week, and we, we went up through you know, our kids' ministry there and the youth ministry, and during my time as a middle school and high schooler, I helped in the kids' ministry. God led me to do that, or at least I didn't want to go to big service as a sixth grader. So either way, God used that for his glory. And then after I graduated from high school, I went to Florida Southern College in Lakeland, where I met my beautiful wife, Shelby, that has grown up in this church and served this church so faithfully in the youth group and in other ways. And I studied the Bible there. When I was young, the Holy Spirit put a call on my life to go into ministry, and he confirmed that while I was at school. So after some searching, after some getting some confirmation, I stud- started studying religion, became a religion major, started diving into the Bible in deeper and newer ways than I ever had with amazing professors and friends who were called into ministry, and it was a time that really helped to shape who I am today. And I interned at a church in Lakeland. I worked at their uh, after-school ministry called neighbor, simply called Neighborhood Ministries, where we worked with uh, at-risk and all, really all kinds of students and uh, kids, and we got to minister to them, give them a safe place to come after school and help them with their homework, but also, most importantly, tell them about the gospel of Christ. And so God has been preparing me and equipping me for this. And when I graduated, there was about a year in between ministry stuff where I wasn't really doing anything, but I was growing closer to God, and I was wondering what he had for me because I had graduated. I now felt equipped. I had my bachelor's degree, my really expensive piece of paper, and I was ready to go into ministry and start telling teenagers about Christ, and and no doors were opening until 2015 when he sent a man by the name of Aaron Pilant into my life. And Aaron and his wife, Aaron, and the owner of the 14th Street Chick-fil-A, Nathan Hoaxima, worked together. God worked through them to give me a job at Chick-fil-A, a place to live, so I could intern with Aaron. And ever since the fall of 2015, I've been working at Chick-fil-A, and I've lived here. I've become a Bradenton citizen. Um, I've been a member of this church since then. And I've been involved in this youth ministry in different capacities. I've been a volunteer. I've been an intern. And now I have the extreme honor and privilege to lead it. And God, tra- and God trained me and prepared me so much through Aaron. 
here. And when I first got here, I thought I could run the show. And I learned very quickly over the first, those couple of years interning with Aaron that no, nuh uh, that would, that would have been real bad. So luckily, God knew better and he prepared me for this role. And part of how he prepared me and how he's still preparing me is through teaching me humility. I have found that in my adult life, I, and probably before that, I struggle with pride. And something that I need to do in order to honor God and live for him is to be a servant. And as I was reading my Bible recently, I, I've read through the whole Bible once, and I'm working on my second time right now, and I was in Mark, and I read Mark 9.35, which says, He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Now, as you can tell, this is Jesus talking here. And when I read this verse, the Holy Spirit, it was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit caused it to jump out at me. And this phrase just kind of popped in my head. Has anyone ever experienced that? Where it's like, boom, you just got taught a lesson. And it was simply the title of my message, which is, I am a servant. And this simple four-letter phrase has become kind of the mantra and the new goal of my life is to become a servant, is to walk in humility and let go of my pride. And God is still working on that in me. I definitely have not arrived, but he's taught me a lot about humility through working at Chick-fil-A and being here at this church and, and, and being married as well. He's taught me a lot of incredible things. But in this verse, Jesus is not only talking to his disciples, he's also talking to all of us. Because this phrase he gave to me is really a phrase and a calling on each of our lives. All of us as Christians, all of us as followers of Christ are called to be servants, called to be and live humbly. We're not called to uh, be selfish or live focused on only the things on a day-to-day basis that bring us happiness or bring us pleasure. We are called to walk and live in humility, and there is power in humility, that's a new, that's kind of a new lesson in my life because that's not normally things that you would relate together. Normally when you think of humility, you don't think of power. But in Christ, there is power in humility. In James 4, there are two verses. Uh, in verse 7, the Bible tells us that so humb- to humble ourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And in verse 10, the Bible tells us, humble, ourselves before the, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So when we are humble, there is power, God's power in and through us. It says if we will resist the devil and we walk in humility, he will flee. He will run away from us thanks to God's power. And that God will lift us up in honor. When we stop pursuing our own honor, God then gives us, the, then gives us real honor through this humility. And the amazing thing is that Jesus modeled this. Something I love to remind the students in our ministry of is that God never asks you to do something that he's not willing to do himself or, already, or hasn't already done. And Jesus, one of the, his greatest examples of humility is in John chapter 13 where he washed the disciples' feet. And we find these verses, or we find this story in verses 1 through 5 and 12 through 16, which read, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, 
took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And to me, this story is incredible because Jesus, the Son of God, who is full of only holiness and righteousness and glory and honor, the only one who is worthy to be worshipped by all of humanity across all ages, by all that we do, takes the position of a servant and washes the feet of his disciples, all 12 of them, even Judas, who would in just a few short hours betray him. And in a way, this kind of takes it on a deeper level for me because I don't like feet. And I don't think I'm alone in this room. I would not want to be around my own feet sometimes if I wasn't so attached to them. Because feet are just gross. We walk on the ground in feet. If you're going to step in something, fill in the blank you know, with your own imagination, it's going to be with your foot. You know, And yes, today we have socks and shoes that we put our feet in, but there's always that distinct foot odor that just never goes away. I, I don't like feet. That's, all, that's the point. And back then, in, when Jesus was around, I can't imagine what the disciples' feet must have looked like. They wore sandals. They walked everywhere. Uh, they walked to get anywhere they had to go. They walked on dirty, dusty roads. I'm sure their feet were blackened with dirt and were calloused and blistered, or at least that's the image in my head. And if I saw feet like that, I wouldn't touch them with a 30-foot pole. But that didn't stop Jesus. He washed the disciples' feet. He gave us this example to follow. He got down there with just some water and a towel and washed the dirt and the gunk and whatever else was on the disciples' feet. He washed that all off to give them this example, to show us how we are meant to live. So I've got a few ideas. I've got three points. That's, from what I've heard, that's the Baptist method. That was not intentional. I was going to have two, but then God was like, no, throw this in there. And I was like, all right, I'll follow the mold. But before I get into these three thoughts, I do want to say again that as I challenge you all and as I talk to you all about humility and being a servant, know that I'm on this road with you as well. I, even though God's been teaching me to be a servant for years, I'm not there yet. I'm a pretty bad student because I haven't arrived yet. My humility and me being a servant is still on its way. It's still growing. But luckily, I am farther along than I was a few years ago or a few months ago. And that's one of the only reasons that justifies me being up here in front of you at all. Is one, that the Spirit is inside of me. And two, that he's taught me something that I hope will benefit all of you. So the first thought I have for you, we've already talked about, and that is that we have to embrace humility and resist pride. We talked about the power of humility and that that will lead us closer to Christ. And pride, I, I, don't, I don't have any verses for this right now, but the Bible tells us pride will drive a wedge in between us and God. He actually resists the proud. He does not stand with those who uh, follow their own way and are prideful. And so we must resist that. Moving on, our second point is that we have to let go of selfish expectations. Let go of selfish expectations. A lot can be said about this second thought, and I've only got a short time. But 
something I think that's very important, important for all of us to remember is that we are already given far more than we deserve because when we think about it and we get down to the bare bones of our faith, at least what I seem to find is that really we don't deserve anything. God, you know, every piece of our body and spirit down to our molecules and our smallest parts, those were formed and made by God. We wouldn't be here to have stuff without God. It was, it's all from him. All the things that we, so to speak, for lack of a better term, own or have, everything that's about us, our very life, it's all from God. So really it all belongs to him. Everything around us. This building, the clothes we're wearing, it's all God's. It's just a gift from him, for something for us to use for his glory. And when we don't, it is pointless and meaningless when we aren't focusing it toward God. And we were just singing about the amazing truth of the salvation we have in Christ and the freedom we have. And that, too, should be enough. We should understand and live remembering that everything we have is from God and that the gift we've been given in Jesus Christ is enough. That should be enough for us to find all that we have, but we don't live that way. I don't always live that way, and I wish I did. Because even though everything that we have is from God, you know, in our houses and all, all items and everything in the earth is from God's, we sure seem to have a lot of our own plans for it. We sure seem to have a lot of our own expectations, a lot of things we expect, or a lot of ideas of how, of how we think things should, <clears throat> should go. And we don't turn and ask God what he expects. And that's what we need to do, is to look to God and say, what does he want? What does he expect from us? And make that our new expectation. Because this life is about what God wants, and not about what we want or expect. And as long as we cling to our own expectations and desperately hang on to them, we will never open the door to God's bigger and far greater destiny for all of us. So we have to let go of this. We have to let go of this, these selfish expectations. I know in my life I've spent far too much of my time uh, thinking about what makes me happy, thinking about my own pleasure, thinking about the things that I want and complaining when I don't get the things that I want. Uh, again, working at Chick-fil-A, you, uh, you know, there's people there at Chick-fil-A. And uh, people are not perfect. So there have been some times I've gone home from Chick-fil-A after dealing with some rude guests. Nobody in here. Don't send me an angry email. Um, but dealing with some rude guests that need to come here. And they... <laughs> And going home and complaining to God, like, you know, why am I still here? Why am I at Chick-fil-A? You know, I studied for all these years in college. I'm ready for more. I want to leave this behind, you know. And I, real, and I started to see this pattern, you know. It's like, why am I here? Why am I not somewhere else? You know, why is this happening to me? And I started to see that, oh, okay. I see what's going on here, God. This, I'm making this all about me, when really it should be a training ground, or that's how I should see it, for how I can live for you better, wherever I'm at. And it has been a training ground that has led me, uh, in God's eyes, to be prepared for this position. Because like I said, if it had been Frank's plan, I would have been in this position a long time ago, and I probably would have been fired. But now, 
I'm so much better equipped and in, and in, such a, in, a, in a place where I'm so much closer to God that now I can serve him rightly and serve the students and the ministry as it deserves. And my third and final thought, and this is the big one, is that we are most like Jesus when we serve. We are most like Jesus in our actions when we serve. My dad has had a profound impact on my life. My dad's name is Jim Welch, and he is an aircraft mechanic by trade. That's what he's always wanted to do. His dad before him was an aircraft mechanic, worked on helicopters in the Korean War, and then my dad uh, worked uh, for the Air Force as well. I, well, my sorry, my grandfather was a Marine, and then my dad was in the Air Force working on airplanes as well, and then he got out and he's working on airplanes still, and he's extremely good at it. But even though he's just working a regular job, getting his hands dirty, he's an amazing man of God, an amazing father. He would take the time to sit with me late at night and talk to me about the questions I had about faith. And he never seemed too busy for my brother or I when he was home. He always made time for us. He always was excited to watch a movie with us or talk with us or go out and share a meal, whatever the case may be. And he embodied some of this for me and it made an impression on me because he said that sometimes he felt closest to God when he was serving. When he was helping other people, the presence of God came closer to him. And that sometimes, in a, in a way, it was kind of a form of worship for him. And it should be for all of us, was to serve others for God's glory. And we are most like Jesus when we serve, and we will find that we get closer to Jesus when we serve. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28, Jesus teaches this uh, lesson again on being a servant by saying, But among you... It will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served the whole time he was on earth. He only ever healed and taught and spoke with people. And eventually gave his life for all of us. There's not a single story in the Bible that you can find about Jesus building himself up in front of a crowd. Or bringing attention to himself in any wrong or prideful way. As a matter of fact, he tried to dismiss attention. And when the crowds wanted to make him king, he said no and he turned away. Jesus embodied this humility and this servanthood. He took every opportunity to show us how we should live with the people that were around him at the time. And he served and he did it till he was worn out. And then he died for us and he's still serving us to this day. Through the Holy Spirit, he serves us. He leads us and he guides us. We just wrapped up a series with the youth ministry called Ghost Stories where we talked about the Holy Ghost, where we talked about the Holy Spirit and this was revitalized for me. The Holy Spirit is, there are so many names for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He's our advocate or helper. He's our comforter. He's our counselor or guide. God is serving us and leading us through the Holy Spirit. And he is still serving us. So the call I want to make to our church today is that let's be like Jesus. Let's serve and get our hands dirty. Let's get out of our normal routine. Let's put our own expectations and desires aside and go and find 
what Jesus has for us and be like him. For me, something that I've been trying to change is I usually, throughout the day, kind of make a plan of how I want the day to go. Like when I get home, I'm like, I'm going to go home, I'm going to watch some TV, you know, have some dinner, and then I'm going to read. And it's just going to be a nice, relaxing evening. And that's what I want. And again, sometimes I've gotten kind of frustrated when something comes up and that's not what I get. But what I should want is to say, God, how do you want to use this evening? This goes back to removing expectations and pushing those aside, saying, all right, this is what I would have expected, but let me just wipe that off the table. God, what do you expect? What do you have for me this evening? Because this evening isn't about, or any time of day, isn't about what I want, isn't about how I can best relax and sit on my couch for the longest period of time. I can stay there. It's about serving God. And God can work from a couch, but he can also work through all kinds of other things that cause us to get up and to go and to serve. He calls us to be that. He models that example for us. So my challenge as I begin to wrap up for all of us is find a person or a place to serve. Find a person or a place to serve. That is how I challenge each and every one of you in this room. And if you are serving, then let this be an encouragement of what you're doing and to go deeper into it. Truly give whatever way you're serving over to God. Embrace that humility. Search for his expectation. And through your service, find what he wants you to do. And it may be difficult, and it may be a little messy. It's probably hard to imagine that working with teenagers, it would be hard sometimes. But, but it, it, we do run into challenges in the youth ministry. And God has carried us through every one. And sometimes he uses them as an example for his, his glory. And it is truly an honor to do that. Don't, don't get me wrong. The teenagers that we have in our youth ministry are amazing. They are amazing, and they're talented, and they're gifted, and they're so smart and caring. The teenagers we have in our ministry are so amazing, and they're worth it. They're worth the challenge. They're worth the mess. They're worth the awkwardness and all, and all that that comes with youth ministry for the triumphs. You heard some of that today. These triumphs, they excite my heart every time I hear them because it reminds me, this is why we get up and do what we do every Wednesday night. This is why we get up and come to church and have life group and make breakfast on Sunday morning. And so these students can grow closer to God so that God can speak to them through us. Because part of being humble is realizing that, pardon this quick rabbit trail, is that the youth ministry is his ministry. I've confided in a few of my, of my close friends that I didn't want this to happen, but in, in my sin and in my brokenness, I started depending on myself for the youth ministry. I started thinking, like, I have to be here. It, it, right now, I'm the leader, so it depends on me. And I started carrying it on my back until it became too heavy. And God reminded me that, no, it's not your ministry. You are part of a group of leaders that I've called to work in my ministry to reach these people. And so follow my leading and trust me with it. And it was so much richer, so much better when I did. When I was like, all right, God, you got it. I'm not going to worry about all the things that I could worry about. And I'm just going to go, and I'm going to love, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to speak, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to trust you. And it became better after that. So find a person or place to serve. Find that great joy. Of course, it's Youth Sunday, so I have to ask that you... <laughs> well, I don't have to ask, but I want to ask that each and every one of you consider, think about, pray about, possibly serving with the youth group, with the youth group. We have an amazing team of adult leaders. You saw Bobby up here, and there's many others. Every person who is an adult leader in our youth group is my hero because they're volunteering. 
They're coming in on their own time because they love these teenagers too much not to be around them. And this ministry is healthy and can happen because of them. If I was left alone, it would fail. But God has sent these amazing people to help me lead it so it can be healthy and it can grow. And I'm a leader with them. I'm not above them. I'm a leader alongside them. And we each have our own roles. And I encourage you all to think about possibly joining our team. I would love to have that conversation with anyone in here who God puts it on your heart sometime after today, or maybe he has been putting it on your heart to think about serving with students in some capacity. I'd love to see our team grow because the more adults who love Jesus that are on our team uh, allows for the greater depth of God's love to come into the lives of these students. And no matter who you are or what you can do, you can serve the youth ministry. And really that applies to all areas of service. But to use the youth ministry as an example, we have college-age students, we have newly married couples, we have mothers, and we have people with gray hair serving our youth ministry. We have people from all walks of life and all different ages, and God is working through each and every one of them in amazing ways. So don't let anything limit you or make you say, oh, I can't, you know, oh, I'm not cool enough, oh, I'm, you know, don't understand youth culture, you're among good company. You just love them. You just listen, and, you, and, you be, and you'll pick up some things as you go along, but you just love them. So please, if that's on your heart, come and talk to me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. But if it's not the youth group, it doesn't have to be the youth group. Maybe God is calling you to work with the kids in our children's ministry, or with the infants, or the toddlers, or in another ministry entirely. We have a food pantry, a homeless ministry, and so many other ways that you can serve. So find a place to serve if that is what God puts on your heart. However, I do realize this. Maybe your service for God looks different. Maybe it's not a place. Maybe it's not, a t maybe it's not something with a title on it that ends in ministry. Maybe it's a person that God wants you to serve. So if you don't feel led to serve in a particular place by God, pray who you can serve. Maybe there's one person that God wants to lead, that God is leading you to where he wants you to start serving that individual so that they can know Christ and love him. And maybe God's power through you will lead them maybe even into a saving relationship with him. There's people all around you. So it doesn't have to be at a church. Maybe you need to serve an individual and seek that out with God. But that is my challenge to you guys is to remember these three thoughts. Embrace humility and resist pride, um, let go of selfish expectations, and remember that you are most like Christ when you serve. So find a place or a person to serve. Start praying and seeking it in God's will so that you can shine his light. We can reach the greater Bradenton area and just more and more people for God that he has who are lost. Now let me pray for us. I'm going to pray a blessing on our church and a blessing on our offering. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come.